When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax Oxygen System is here. Doctor-approved, clinically tested, at-home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to HypermaxOxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? HypermaxOxygen.com. That's HypermaxOxygen.com. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on a Wednesday night. You, of course, hearing us on Thursday morning. Glad to have you guys listening to us once again for another midweek episode. And Brendan, on the last episode we recorded, I believe I said something along the lines of, you know, for spring training, this has, you know, gone pretty well, about as well as you can. I think I was re- referring specifically to, you know, just the health and general performance of the starting rotation. Um, in the few days since we last spoke, things have taken a turn, uh, if you will, Brendan, and we we, we find ourselves with with uh, a few more nits to pick, if you it's will. It's a little disconcerting. You know, it's only March thirteenth, but I'm sitting here stressed out. Like I know I was telling you to relax last last episode, but I'm going to be honest with you. I'm I am stressing out about this bullpen. There's a lot to discuss here, Corey. Yes. So let's jump right into that. Uh, We will begin. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that uh, a certain reliever on the Cubs is a friend of this podcast. He is a follower of our Instagram page. I have actually spoken to him in the DMs of said Instagram page. Uh, (laughs) We're basically friends, Brendan. So there is no other lead story than uh, Pedro Strope. And I am going to read the quotes and I'm going to read the information that we do have available so that uh, this is put in the proper context. Um, They announced on 
Tuesday that he was dealing with a mild right hamstring strain, uh, which they did look at on an MRI. He is still able to throw. I believe he threw today on Wednesday, uh, but they are going to keep him off of a mound for at least a week. And here is a quote from Joe Madden uh, on the subject, and I'm getting this uh, from another friend of the podcast, Jordan Bastian's article at MLB.com. The quote from Madden, according to the MRI, it was barely noticeable, so we don't think it's going to be anything horribly long, but we don't know for sure. We'd like to think we're going to be able to get him ready for the beginning of the season, if not, maybe shortly thereafter. So again, as we begin this conversation, I I will warn all of you that Brendan is worked into a bit of a a lather here, a little bit, bit. uh, about the bullpen. So the reason I keep saying I want to properly contextualize this is that it seems as though this is a, a minor thing. He's still able to throw. It, it It is not even of the severity like we saw last fall when he injured the other hamstring. Important to note, this is the other hamstring that's, than the one he good hurt yep. running the bases in Washington. But again, I just want to you know make sure that we're not misleading or overstating the severity. Everything that I have read from all of the people involved uh, are that this is not, you know, a super serious thing. He's still able to participate in the workouts. They're just keeping him off a mound to be cautious about this. So I think that that's important to note in this discussion. There was also a tweet from Patrick Mooney of The Athletic Today where he said that Pedro Strope is laughing, smiling, and downplaying any issues with his hamstring. I'll be ready for day one, 100%, Strope says. So not to... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to try to frame this conversation and then I'll turn it over to you because I'm I'm not positive how quickly I'm going to get the mic back when I I throw it over to you here. But... (laughs) The, the way the way that I looked at this and the way that I have kind of been reading this situation is that this is not this doesn't really change my feeling on the bullpen in a sense. We have said, I think both you and I on this show, since it was clear that the Cubs were not going to be spending a lot of money this offseason, that this was kind of how they were going to be going about the bullpen looking in the bargain bin, picking up guys on minor league uh, spring training invites, and, you know, just trying to piece it together, right? Hoping Carl Edwards takes a step, that Morrow is healthy eventually, right? And I think that you and I both were okay with that. Not thrilled, uh, you know, that they were not going out and making sure it was like an elite bullpen, something that, you know, we've seen teams like the Yankees do uh, routinely over the last couple of years. But we were okay with this strategy. Yeah. What this situation illustrates to me, it doesn't necessarily change the way I felt about that strategy. I'm not all of a sudden going to be like, oh, you know, they're idiots. I hated this strategy from day one because I I don't think that I did. What this strobe situation illustrates, though, is that this was always, and I think we cautioned with this, built on shaky ground. When you when you don't have more than really what a couple of assuredly reliable high leverage relievers, right? And by that I mean guys who you can say I am absolutely confident that we can expect this guy to deliver at a certain level in high leverage spots and be a, a top tier bullpen guy. When you only have a couple of those guys and the rest of the bullpen is built by Again, you know, cheaper options, younger guys given an opportunity, etc. This is the risk. You're looking at the risk when one of your, you know, accountable guys, Strope, suffers even a minor injury, even if it's only a couple weeks, even if it's not a big deal, the burden now that was already pretty heavy on a guy like Steve Ciszek and Carl Edwards becomes even heavier. And so that is where I am with this, that they made this decision to build the bullpen like this. I didn't think that they were necessarily insane for doing so, even though I wished they had, you know, maybe looked at guys like Adam Adovino, maybe made some trades to, you know, kind of shore it up. But this was always the risk with doing this with the bullpen, and 
you know, again, hopefully Strope is ready for opening day and it's not a big deal, but this was always the risk and it stinks to be looking at it you know, not, we're two weeks before the season. The season haven't, hasn't even started yet. And you're already kind of faced with this, like, okay, like we are literally down to right now on opening day. If Strope isn't available, Morrow will not be. You're literally looking at what, Brendan? One person in the bullpen that you can absolutely with confidence say, I know what I'm going to get and out of this guy. That? I know. C-Sheck. And I'm going to take the mic here for, for a little yes, bit. Yes, go. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, just before I even like start here or whatever, like what's what's your what's your confidence level in the bullpen with ten being the highest and one being the lowest? Well, again, I think that that goes back to what I said the whole time. I, I think I I genuinely believe that they had a group that could make it work. Yeah, but this was always. Uh, again, it was always built on kind of shaky ground, and you needed the top guys to be the top guys. That's why we've talked so much about Carl Edwards, because you need him to be the best version of himself to really kind of make this all work. Sure. So, I, I, you know, I'm hoping that this is not a big deal with Strope. That's certainly what the Cubs are leading on. So, I, I don't, I don't know how much my confidence has necessarily shaken, um, but I mean, it's, it's got to be what around like a five or a six that's right now? pretty low man that's pretty low is it i, I yeah i mean i, I don't low. know how it couldn't be we 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 still haven't seen brandon morrow you know now strope is dealing with this this is now you know uh, multiple things with a hamstring over an eight month period or whatever it is yeah. and for all intents and purposes he should be fine he was great in the wild card game which afterward i believe he said he was pitching in like a severe amount of pain <laughs> Um, you know, so I trust Stroke to get the job done, but this is certainly not what you want to see, uh, as you guys are listening to this literally two weeks away from the season starting. Right. And that's, that's where I'm at too. Like, I'm not going to go on here and, and, and just completely be stressed out. We're two weeks away and I get that. And for all the reasons you mentioned, Corey, like with some of the bullpen depth and in addition to what you were saying with the AAA guys possibly being available at call like Alzole, Dakota Meeks. Like they have some interesting guys who are depth pieces, but that's all they are right now. And here here's where I am. Like if you're a six on a scale of one to ten, I'm like a four. So I'm I'm a little bit more worried than you are. And I understand that Pedro Strope's hamstring injury is not really that severe right now. Like I I, I totally get that. And the, the, the likelihood is he's going to be back early on in the season at a worst-case scenario. Nevertheless, it, it does put things into perspective, though, because the way the last two weeks have gone for the Cubs, and more specifically, probably within the last few days, it does give me a little bit of a pause. And what I mean by that is if you look at the current projections for this Cubs bullpen— here are the top five names, Corey. And this is by Zips Projections and I'm Sorting. Scared. What's that? I'm scared. To Here hear we go. You, you actually might be a little bit uh, uh, depressed after reading this. But if you sort by FIP, here are the top five Cubs relievers. Number one, Corey, Tony Barnett, 3.23 FIP. Tony Barnett had a shoulder injury last year. He's only pitched two games in spring training this year. You don't really know what you're going to get from him. Number two on the list is Xavier Cedeno, 3.4 FIP. Cedeno may not make the team. He is a non-guaranteed 900K contract, has not thrown a baseball for the Cubs yet. That's not good. Number three on the list with a 3.45 FIP is Brad Brock. He has mono. He has pitched. He has not been in shape. That's worrisome to me. Number four on the list is Brandon Morrow, 3.62 FIP. Needless to say, I don't need to go into great depth with his issues, but that's who he is in the list. Number five is Carl Edwards Jr., who's looked great this spring. Looked very good. Not walking people, unlike Tyler Chatwood, who we'll get into, um, since we named this trio of Mabel's uh, Carl Edwards Jr. and Chatwood the No Walks Brigade that has since been broken up. But CJ's number five with a 3.68 FIP. And then if we're going to keep going down the list, you have Pedro Strope at number six with a 3.74 FIP. But I bring up these projections just to show some of the volatility that could happen 
if injuries sidetrack this Cubs bullpen. And I loved the Brad Brock deal for $3 million. Now it's down to $1.65 because of his mono. I liked the Xavier Cedeno deal, and I liked the Tony Barnett deal. What now concerns me since those signings were made is that Cedeno hasn't pitched. Brock Mono is a crazy illness. You do not know what you're going to get from it. And now Strope is injured. And I'm worried, based on what we saw from Cedric at the end of last year in September, where he really fell off the cliff, guys. His walk rate was like almost over six per nine innings. That gives me a little bit of a pause. Like, hmm, maybe maybe this wasn't the strategy to use in the offseason, like going and getting these lower tier guys necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. But ultimately, I, I do think to some degree, given the Cubs' financial restrictions, this was not the worst strategy to use. But the fact that Brock's mono is an issue, that Cedeno has not pitched, that Barnett is being eased into spring training, we did not anticipate those three things happening. Maybe Barnett to yeah. a degree, but I did not anticipate Brock getting mono. I don't think Theo and company did either. That's why they cut down his salary literally in half. And Cedeno was basically picked over someone like Tony Sip with more of a track record, who, by the way, signed today. I believe with the Nationals. I'm forgetting, but I think it was Nationals. Who cares? That 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 is a little bit of an issue for me. And, you know, Strope can come back healthy. Cedeno, his wrists could be fine. He could make the team. The Cubs could guarantee that $900,000 if they want to. And Brock, his mono could be taken care of. But these were not issues 10 days ago. And it concerns me given that the Central is really freaking good, guys. It's really good. And they need to get off to a hot start. And if they have an inadequate or a depleted bullpen come opening day, that concerns me. And so that's that's that that's where I am. I, I again on a scale of one to ten, I'm a four. I'm not freaking out. This is not, you know, late September, me going on this podcast, kind of ranting, kind of stressing out. I'm just a little disconcerted, especially when you see someone like uh, Craig Kimbrell on the market. It makes you wonder, like, hey, uh, hello, should we should we be signing this guy for extra depth? And not just depth, but to rely on someone in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. Because right now, if we're relying on Steve Cizek without Pedro Strope, man, I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's a big task, man. It's a really big task. Yeah, I think, again, what, what this situation with stroke really illustrates to me is I think it kind of knocks you in the head right with the man this strategy is really risky and it's like because, that's, and it's that's because, really what it does and it, 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 it's they have some interesting options yeah. they they may well be able to make this work but it it does kind of just knock you on the head like man this is a <laughs> this is a big risk that they are taking it's because you don't have that by, margin of error like you said Corey. i mean right. and you're like the cubs to a degree they they slotted in like brock for a high leverage role, maybe not the eighth or ninth inning, but a high leverage role nonetheless. And kind of the same thing with Cedeno. It's like they expected him to be a contributor. I know it wasn't a guaranteed salary, but like, you know, he has good stuff. He has good numbers in, the, in years past as well. So I think it's a snowball effect. Like if, if Pedro Strope was like dealing with this injury and Brock didn't have, did not have his mono, Cedeno was getting more of a shot. Barnett was not being eased into this role, I wouldn't be as concerned. And so it's a snowball effect. It's not just Strope per se, but just everything Mm -hmm. that's happening in addition to Strope right now. Yeah. And just as a a clarification, since we're talking about Strope, and then I kind of want to, there's other things to check into that still relate to this bullpen. I think we're going to be talking about the bullpen for a while. Um, But I do want to read a quick stat from uh, Christopher Komka. He's with the NBC Chicago team. We read his stats a lot on here. And he tweeted out that Pedro Strope has faced 1,334 batters in his Chicago Cubs career. Of course, Pedro coming over in the Jake Arrieta trade that would have been worth it either way for just one of them. (laughs) Uh, That trade works out extremely well for the Cubs, if you uh, are not familiar. Um, and he has held opposing hitters in those over 1,300 at-bats to a slash line of 181, 273, 276, uh, the slash line there. And of course, we mentioned before, he is the only reliever in Chicago Cubs history to post five or more seasons 
of sub 3.0 ERA baseball. So I'm only throwing that in there. If there's any of you out there who still somehow undervalue and underappreciate our man, number 46, Pedro Strope, stop it. And don't do that anymore. Um, yeah. He is like quite literally one of the best relievers in Chicago Cubs history, and he has been extremely important to the Joe Madden era Chicago Cubs, if you will. Um, but kind of along these same lines, and and I think it it kind of speaks to what we were talking about is that you know kind of this whole time there, there's been that that thinking that there are a lot of options there. Um, and they're gone. You know, you're kind they're of now. hoping that some of these guys step in and step up and you know maybe seize the opportunity. And we have talked about a group in particular that I dubbed the No Walks Brigade. And Brendan, unfortunately, after we got off the air, um, <laughs> I don't know why I envisioned the No Walks Brigade being on a bus together, but I do. And the wheels came off of said bus for everybody except for Carl Edwards Jr. So. Uh, Carl pitching against the Reds on Tuesday, coming in and not walking anybody. So he is still uh, a part of the No Walks Brigade, but unfortunately he's basically by himself at this point um, because Dylan Maples came in like it had to have been an hour after we recorded on Sunday, Brendan, because of course we mentioned that he hadn't walked anybody. And then he pitches a third of an inning and walks two guys uh, against the Brewers on Sunday. And then we see, you know, the the version <laughs> of Tyler Chatwood that we've all come to know and love uh, in his start on Tuesday against the Reds. He goes one and a third, allows two hits, two earned runs, four runs. The error was his own. He got a double play ball back to the mound that he promptly threw uh, to the outfield, I believe. Uh, He struck out one, and again, in one and a third, he walked three. So, yeah, and and the reports from people that were at this game, I I believe our guy, John Ferlis from CubsInsider.com was at this game. I think Brett from Bleacher Nation was also at this game. A lot of people in Arizona at the moment um, didn't sound like a pleasant time. You can read into the line however you want. Obviously, walking three guys in an inning and a third, making a throwing error, uh, you know, allowing two earned runs, four runs. You can read into that what you will, but but the report was that you know this was like a classic Chatwood start from 2018. Lots of balls all over the place, being spiked in the dirt, just a, a total was, mess, was a mess of of that. I I, I texted our guy John Ferlis and asked him like was the crowd booing at all? Like, what was the vibe there? And he was like, you know, maybe some scattered boos, but definitely some sarcastic cheering when, you know, strikes were being thrown or outs were made. Just just not a good, not a, not good, a good vibe, vibe um, yeah. coming out of, of the Tuesday night game uh, for Tyler Chatwood. So I, I bring those two guys up because, again, we're not going to make a determination on one person based on one outing. Really, uh, the the entirety of the the spring training doesn't really give us 100% clarity on anything. So I think that even while Chadwood had looked good, um, you know, he had gone up until this outing the other day goes off the rails. He had pitched like a full nine innings and only walked one person so far in the spring. And that didn't mean, and I don't think we were taking it to mean, that he was fixed. He was going to be, you know, the person they signed him to be, you know, fire up the spin rate and everything. But it was a good sign, right? right? And, and it was it was progress. It was something to build on. So in this in the same sense, I don't think that this one start immediately reverts us 100% back to this guy is useless, he can't throw strikes, yada, yada. But for him and Maples, it's just disappointing to kind of see one of those kind of stereotypical for them outings each show up in the last few days. And it and, and I think it ties into the whole bullpen discussion because 
these are two guys who I think you were looking at as guys who would be seizing that opportunity. You, you know, like guys who, if we talked about, if Chadwood could be a guy that could give you an inning or two innings or even, you know, three innings sometimes, like we've seen with Montgomery, you know, that would be a valuable role for him to play, throw him in as a spot starter, etc. We've talked a lot about how nasty Dylan Maples is. He's got major velo. He's got a nasty slider, cutter, whatever you're <laughs> classifying it as as on the particular day. So these are interesting guys. And when, again, you're trying to fill a bullpen the last few spots or whatever with younger guys, cheaper guys, guys given a second chance like Chatwood, whatever, you know, those were names to look at. And, you know, Brendan, you've already listed some of the injury concerns or just sort of like setbacks, delays that, that we're already dealing with. And, you know, for a couple guys that were off to a really promising start here, I think in the beginning of Cactus League play, not the outings that anybody w- was hoping for. And I think that when it comes, you know, the, the Maples outing was on Sunday, I believe the Cubs off on Monday, and then the Chatwood outing on Tuesday. And, you know, at the same time, we're getting the Pedro Strope stuff, just a a rough couple days from the bullpen. I think that that gives like the proper context as to why the conversation about the bullpen has all of a sudden gotten like really, um, pun intended, grim. <laughs> you really went there, didn't you? Did you like that? I did. I did. Yeah. It kind of brought back some uh, some bad memories. Well, and and you know, given how he performed at the end of his Cubs career, I think it makes sense in this conversation. Yeah, I like. Uh, like I, I hope I'm not coming off as like someone who's freaking out right now. Like, I, yeah, I am. You a, probably are. Maybe I am, and I, I, yeah. I apologize for that. If you're listening to this, like, oh, like what is this? Like, what is this guy talking about? It's March 13th. <laughs> I can empathize with you. I don't want to be thinking this crap either. But that's that's where I am, and and Madden's being asked about this too. Like, if you go look at all the beat writers and whatever, they're they're asking him, hey, like, are the Cubs? Are you guys actively looking for relief? And he says there are internal discussions. And he was asked about Craig Kimbrell, and he said, that is not coming up in our discussions, but you can't rule it out. That's what he's, That's what Joe Madden said. Um, and so that's that's where I'm at, really. And it's, it's, not, it's not as if this Pedro Strope thing prompted this tizzy of mine. It, it definitely contributed to it, but it's just seeing Xavier Cedeno not pitching. It's seeing Brad Brock not being... 100% and knowing what mono could do to, to a pitcher. It's happened to several guys in the past and it, it could derail them. That's an issue for me. And it's not it's just not seeing guys get the reps they need to be ready in two weeks. Like Tony Barnett's pitched two games. He's not ready yet. Like this, like something needs to be changed. So that's, that's where the, the anxiety comes into place. And for a simple fix really could just be, Hey, sign Craig Kimbrell. Get that reliability in the back of the bullpen, and he's available. So that's that, that's that's where I am. I don't know. Do I sound crazy, Corey? I don't think so. Okay. I, I mean, and I think I'm 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 right there with you. Again, I think that just the these last few days, and again, I was not like uh, again like we were again noting the progress of Tyler Chadwood and and talking about it as a positive. But I don't think like either of us were a hundred percent set on, okay, he's going to be great for this team this year. Just, you know, just thinking about it. Yeah, as yeah. a possibility. So again, I don't, I haven't really sh- shifted much of my thinking on this team. I, I'm not like all of a sudden worried about the success of this team or anything like that. I'm kind of in the exact same place. I, I just think that really it has smacked me over the head, like I said before, like just how volatile and like risky this bullpen situation may be. I we've talked about it as a point of concern this whole offseason. And I, I think that yeah, these last few days have just been kind of a like, wow, yeah, this could uh it really doesn't take much for yeah. this strategy to fall apart. And I you know and I still have and I don't think it has right right now. Yeah, exactly. you, know, you still have a few weeks until the season, but it's just an example of like you know, a, a small injury to one of your top guys, even if it puts him on the shelf for a couple weeks, like during the season, that's a big deal. But Brendan, I think that the natural progression here, since you mentioned it, and I and I want to slip in there that the MLB and the MLBPA coming to an agreement, I think tonight, uh, Wednesday night, on a couple of changes, um, not 
all of them that interesting or that exciting. But the one I do want to point to is, is that they are there will be no waiver trade period starting this year. So the trade deadline at the end of July, I assume it, it's still at the end of July, but that is it. There is there is no waiver deadline, so we you know, and we've seen the Cubs make moves in in the waiver period a lot in the in the last few years, a lot of significant guys, and that's not going to be there. So the trade deadline is the deadline, as the name uh, of course would imply. So you brought up the name, you know. Now that we kind of know that there's a little bit of a change in how this season is going to play out from a strategy standpoint. Yeah. You know, you don't... I've I've often talked about this Cubs bullpen really only needs to get us through certain segments of the year, right? You have the trade deadline. You used to have the waiver deadline. Then, of course, you have rosters expanding. You can bring up young guys. And so, you know, you only need the bullpen that breaks camp to kind of get you through a certain portion of it. Obviously, the minor leagues start up at some point. So then you get those guys pitching with regularity, maybe some names pop up there. So the bullpen that breaks camp does not have to win this team a championship, right? But now you've removed kind of one of those segments. Do you do you go out and get Craig Crimble? Craig That's Kimble. a tough name to I don't say. know why know. that name I'm is like, I so thought I would be the say. one to make that mistake, so I'm happy you are the one to do There's it. There's a few R's in I there. Know, it's I don't difficult. know, whatever. It's difficult. Are you going and getting him how how desperate are you for for him and i think you've posed this question before so i'm going to throw it back at you yeah would you move someone like ben zobrist or another comparable name in order to clear the payroll if that were the mandate from ownership to do so it's a tough that's a tough decision like right now i i, I think i am like leaning towards dealing Zobris to bring in someone like Kimbrough. I, it is so against like my principle. Like my principle is you never trade like almost everyday position players for relievers. That's like my principle. But the way the bullpen looks right now, I, I, and I told this to you last night and it's scary because it's true, but the current state of the Cubs bullpen is no different at the back end as it was going into that wild card game last year. It's no different, Corey. Like Steve Cizek right now is a top dog if Strope is not there. It's no different. So that's that does concern me. So I think ultimately, if you had to like force me and make a decision, my my heart says like keep Ben Zobris. My brain says you need to you need to create this salary relief and bring in someone like Craig Kimbrell. And I, I hate saying that, but if you were to tell me right now, hey, Craig Kimbrell will be in your bullpen tomorrow morning, I would be ecstatic. I well, really and so, would. And, and so I'm curious, like how how desperate are you to make this happen? Say they pick up the phone and they're talking to Kimbrell and his agent, and now they know the Cubs are, you know, maybe finding themselves in a, you know, a little bit more of a desperate situation. Yeah. And they're set on getting, say, four years, and they want big time money. Are are you, you know, like willing to kind of like give Kimbrell like, like four look, years, sixty million? Is that what you're saying? Like, well, just like, are you in a place where you would be like, look, we need you here. We're gonna do what we need to to get this done, or? Are you only interested if he's, you know, his market is as thin as it seems and you can kind of come to an arrangement that works for everybody? What's your urgency level here, I guess I'm asking? No, I get it. Like, and I, I posed the question on Twitter last night kind of in the same context. Like, what's the maximum deal that you would give Craig Kimbrough, given your quote-unquote desperation right now? Um, for me, I don't, I don't want to commit to Kimbrough long-term, uh, I think you're you're at the point in spring training where you can avoid that happening. What I would do is I would give Kimbrel like a two to three year deal. I'd pay him I don't know eighteen million this year guaranteed, giving him not give him an option for next year for like sixteen million, and see if that works. I, I think you look at the the way relievers are paid these days; they're making between you know, 60 to 70 million over four years. So you're looking around 15 to 18 million as an annual average value. 
Again, you're guaranteed like Wade Davis four years in a role this Chapman more years, etc. So I get that. This this environment's different for free agents, and I think if I were to ask you, Corey, hey, you can give Kimbrel two years, thirty five million in two years. Would you say yes or no? You would you would have to say yes. I know it's not your money, but given the Cubs payroll inflexibility in 2021, 2022, I would not give him more than two years. But in the immediate future, yes, I would sacrifice some flexibility to at least roll the dice and give you some stability come opening day. And so for two years, $35 million in option for that second year, 18 to $20 million for this 2019 season, I think, yeah, I would be stoked if we did that. I still am kind of on the fence about the whole thing. If if they could just give him a contract, I would do it. But I'm assuming that the situation that we've seen all off season, it would require moving someone to do it. And I'm so still be, on the fence Zobrist. about it. It would be Zobrist. Like Zobrist would have to be the one, yeah. to be left out. So like, let yeah, me I'm, let me I'm, let me pose a question to you, and maybe sure. I'm going to give you more of a, an example as well. So the the book has been the Cubs have been trading from their farm system, top prospects to supplement their bullpen the last few years. We've lost Isaac Paredes, uh, Jaimer Candelario. Uh, who else have we lost? Um, I'm forgetting people right now. But uh, Gliber Torres. Gliber Torres, of course. <laughs> Gliber Torres. <laughs> so we, we've sacrificed some legitimate top prospects. Now, in addition to doing that, they were paying Justin Wilson. They paid some of our oldest Chapman's salary. And so you're giving up, you know, really valuable commodities in your in your farm system, plus paying right. these guys. So forget it. And not only that, you're only paying them for half a year. In Wilson's case, it was a year and a half. But you kind of get where I'm going with this. So if you're going to say hey, long year yeah, and a half, like I might add, yeah, like Corey, like if I'm going to say, hey, you have to trade Miguel Amaya or Braylon Marquez or God forbid Nico Horner for the top reliever come the trade deadline. And you have to pay him eight to ten million. If you rewind that scenario come July back to where we are right now, you would give Kimbrell twenty million and not even blink your right. eyes, and you get him for the entire year. So that's that's where I'm at. And I know this could be so hypothetical because the Cubs could literally not have any money right now; they can't do it. But if they are saving that fifteen to twenty million to keep that space open at the trade deadline, that's a mistake, I think. Where I am is I would definitely be on the phone with him and figuring out what would need to happen to bring him in here. Um, <laughs> would you trade Zobris for him or, you know, trade away Zobris to bring it in? I, 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 I think I need more time to answer that. I, I really, I really don't like it. Um, I, you know, cause again, until Ben Zobris shows actual signs of, you know, aging like a normal human being, I, I love that bat for this team. Um, I, I I just do, and I and I just think that especially in a in we you know we talked about the middle infield situation and even tough. you know it's the tough. outfield situation. Yeah, yeah. Zobris just in in a field of question marks and could be and should be etc. You know, Zobris just is right. And I think that that's a, a good thing to have. Um, you know, obviously the guy's gotten some pretty big hits in Chicago Cubs history. So I, I don't, I don't know. I don't really want to answer that question honestly. I'm going to plead the fifth on you that. I don't to want to be you're such, on record. You're, you're such a cop out. Um, Definitely, but <laughs> I the, the 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 main my main take here is if they have not picked up the phone to at least inquire on what would need to be done to make this happen, it's a big mistake. And I'm with you there that, you know, hoping it fleshes itself out or that you are going to have to deal with it at the trade deadline again is not a good idea. And yeah, I, again, it's the same thing. I, I think about this bullpen that I've felt the, the, the whole time. They, they have an interesting group of players and I think they have the personnel to make this work. But the again, the margin of error is very high, and with a thing like Strope is dealing with, you're looking at it. You're looking at why that mar, mar, excuse me, very uh, low, yeah, not high. Yeah, um, you're looking at why it's so low. It, it it does not take a lot to really shift the pressure onto some of these guys. So, 
I don't know. At the very least, I'm on the phone with him, and I'm really heavily considering it. Um, you think they do but it? You think it gets done? No. I know. Same here. I don't think it no, happens. No, I, I think that yeah, they are not spending any more money. I, I That is... It's one of those things where at a certain at a certain point, right? Harper and Machado aren't here. At some some day, we're going to have to take them at their word that there is just not going to be any more money spent here. So, you know, and and would they make a move to free up that space? Who knows? You know, because now you're getting into a hole. Now you have to find uh, a matching team and get the deal to work with you there. And I I so I'm just going to say no. I think that they're they're you know we're two weeks from the season. I think they're committed to this group. So far, I, I I don't really think that Strope uh, having what they're describing as a minor hamstring strain is is going to drastically alter those plans. Um, but I think that's where we are with the bullpen. Um, yeah. So that was fun. This has been a fun couple days. Um, allow <laughs> me to transition to a an equally really pleasant topic, Brendan. Um, how about John Lester giving up seven runs on Wednesday? Was it seven runs? <laughs> I didn't yeah. realize it was that bad. Oh my God. Um, I'm just going to read just because I think it's uh, it's kind of funny. It, not funny, but uh, you know, look, I'm the Lester guy here. So if I'm able to have a sense of humor about it, I think everybody can. Uh, but again, from Jordan Bastian of MLB.com, this is the the opening paragraph to his post on MLB.com about John Lester's outing today. It it reads, John Lester could not corral his cutter in the bullpen and it abandoned him on the mound during Wednesday's start against the A's. The veteran lefty struggled to command his four-seamer and the off-speed offerings were a mess as well. Chalk it up as one of those spring days you can crumple up and toss in the waste bin. So it went well, is what Jordan is saying. It was a good start for John. Um... Two and two-thirds, one home run, seven hits, seven runs. Uh, He struck out three. Not a good start. So uh, all I'm bringing that up for is it's, you know, it's worth mentioning. We've talked about, you know, kind of how good and solid this uh, starting group has looked. Lester's been giving up some home runs, but in general, his starts have been fine. Uh, Velos have been ticking up there, and I think, you know, I didn't see a reading from Wednesday, but by all accounts, you know, it's getting up there. It's fine. Or you're just um, telling yourself that. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. But I, I guess again, I just bring this up because it it was the start today. You know, we only they 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 had an off day between our last podcast, so we only have so many games to really work with here on this podcast. And I, I think you know, Brendan, I, I I think you and I have both, me especially, been pretty honest about our expectations for John this year. I I think I've said I don't expect him to necessarily be. Uh, you know, the top of the rotation person. I don't expect him to be out there winning Cy Youngs, but I trust him to figure it out and be a productive member of this rotation as a veteran and as someone who consistently has come through in his career and for this team. Um, He will start in two weeks, as you guys are listening to this, against the Texas Rangers on March 28th. And I in reading this article, his next day to pitch will be this coming Monday, uh, and that will be done in a sim game. So he will uh, obviously up the pitch count, up the inning count, and work on whatever he feels he needs to work on based on, you know, what I'm reading here. It might be command of his cutter um, and those off-speed offerings. Uh, But I don't know about you. I'll throw it to you. I'm I'm still not partic- I'm not worried about this. It's spring training, and yeah. I, I, you know, look. I would rather he not be giving up runs and generating, you know, fifteen whiffs and outing. But I'm not really worried about this. I, I we still don't know the exact sequencing that they're going out with. It was uh, the real, you know, at least the top few hitters, uh, I think the top four or five, were like the real Oakland A's lineup, Chris Davis, Matt Chapman, Olsen, etc. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not thrilled. But again, I'm not expecting the world of John Lester this year. And I just, again, I will continue. It's kind of like Zobrist, honestly. Like I just trust them to figure something out uh, until I am proven otherwise. No reason for concern. Like that like the seven runs is actually quite funny, um, but that's not a reason to be concerned. I I just look for health, man. If these guys can get through spring training, get through their resume, 
get in shape. That that's what matters. And if he's throwing 90, 91, that's that's perfectly acceptable. Especially with Arizona, like they're playing outside. These these breaking pitches don't break to the same degree because the Arizona weather is so weird. So that's nothing to be like freaking out about. I remember ooh, you're gonna hate this name, but I'm gonna do it anyway. But I remember when Carlos Marmol was No, that one's fine. Okay, okay. I remember Marmol You just stay away from the middle infielders from LSU. I remember when Mike Fontenot and Ryan Terrio and Brendan You were the you're the one who said it, man. I could have gone uh, a different route there. So I remember Marmol a few years ago when he was back with the Cubs and he was talking about his breaking pitch, his cartoon slider, not breaking as much being in Arizona. And that was one of the reasons, or so he said, and so the coaching staff said, for a, a, a noticeable, I don't I don't know, lack of success from spring training. I forgot what year it was, but it was, it was pretty poor numbers. And so I'm always reminded of that. These guys are outside. They're not in Chase Field like in Arizona. And Chase Field has a humidor, a controlled environment. They're outside. That's that's nothing to be concerned about when someone gives up. I hate to say it, but even seven runs. I will be upset if he goes out there and walks three guys in an inning in a third, like what Chatwood did. Those are different things. So I'm the, the rotation right now is so low on my list of anxieties for this upcoming season. I'm just not worried about it. I think everyone else has looked pretty good. Q looks good. Hamels looks good. Mm-hmm. Darvish looks great. Lester's healthy. He's throwing um, without pain, without any fatigue. So those are really the the core well, things. Not even the, just snubbing Kyle Hendricks in it, your. I mean, Kyle. Hen- <laughs> See, Kyle Hendricks is so good that he like whenever I mention a player's name, it's purely out of like worriness. Right. So the right. fact that I didn't mention Kyle Hendricks is actually a compliment, Corey. Yeah, and so on that note, Brendan, uh, Joe Madden saying on Wednesday that the Cubs are not going to announce the rotation beyond John Lester uh, for, you know, the rest of the season, I guess, or however they're going to set it up for at least those early few series, uh, because it's a strange alignment for those first two series. So they obviously kind of have to figure out uh, what kind of rest they're going to want Lester on and when they want to get these other guys started because they open the season on Thursday the 28th of March against the Rangers, off day on Friday, then again with the Rangers on Saturday and Sunday, and then they go to Atlanta where they play one on Monday, off Tuesday, and then are still in Atlanta on Wednesday and Thursday. And that that same thing actually happens with the Cubs home opener. Uh, They go to Milwaukee after they play the Braves for that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then they play the Pirates on Monday, April 8th, then off the 9th, and then kind of getting into, you know, the normal schedule every weekend, off day, you know, maybe on Monday or Thursday, but no more breaks in the series. So, we don't know what order they're going to go in, and that actually does make it kind of tricky. That's a lot of off days in some weird spots where you're not really traveling between them. So, you know, you do, you know, guys especially uh, like Lester, I would think Hamels, and obviously with Darvish coming off a year where he was injured, you know, you want these guys on a particular schedule. Like sometimes having extra off days is not how these guys like to work and not how you've kind of set this all up to the plan. By the same token, you know, you don't want guys pitching on short rest or having, you know, nine days between a start or something like that. So they're still working on how to figure that out. But uh, on another note from your Hendricks note, I'm using that to jumpstart two different uh, talking points. That was the first one. The second one was just to point to another one of those videos that was up on the Cubs YouTube channel uh, that we mentioned on Sunday but didn't necessarily discuss the debut. So I I do kind of want to touch on some of those because there's some really fantastic content in there. And I think, Brendan, that's a good way to maybe shift towards a more positive note after that discussion of the bullpen. Um, I don't think that was too negative, but a little negative for spring training, yeah, you know, more than we'd like, like I'm to a be. Little, like, if you're listening to, if you got through this podcast and you're listening to this now, like, I hope it wasn't too negative. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to come out here and, and freak you out. I'm just, I think there are some disconcerting I, things. That's all. Well, and there, you know, I think there have certainly been folks who have been banging that this bullpen is a concern 
you know, since day one. So, you know, perhaps we're even a little late to that party with uh, some of that. But the Cubs relaunched their YouTube channel on Monday. And basically the deal was that I think the MLB and, and their advanced media was in control of team YouTube channels, you know, kind of just putting up like recaps and some of the highlight videos, etc. And recently, I, I don't recall seeing the reason, but it's good nonetheless, they ceded that control to the teams themselves. So the the folks over at the Cubs social media team, uh, Cubs productions, etc., were, were kind of given the keys to this, which I think if you have watched all of the content they have put out, is very good for us Cubs fans. And some very interesting stuff. Uh, since we talked about him at the beginning, you it's only six minutes long, but you must watch. Uh, it's called The Off Season with Pedro Strope. That's where the dancing gif that I mentioned uh, came from. Six minutes of Pedro Strope in his hometown in the Dominican Republic talking about you know growing up there, making it out of there, living there still, wanting to get back there when he's finally retired. It's it's great. It, it's a great look at, you know, just Pedro, the person, where he comes from, and, and just seeing him in his element. And, you know, as we've talked about, someone that is really important to this organization. Um, it's just cool to see him in his element and, and hear from uh, someone like that, who we don't always, you know, get as many in-depth features as we do some of these other guys. So that was cool. I would direct your attention there. Chris Bryant hosts a game show called Bay versus Ball Player, in which he asks questions to both his wife, uh, Jess Bryant, and Anthony Rizzo. Um, in case you were confused as to who was the Bay in this situation, <laughs> it is Chris's wife, Jess, not Anthony, but it is easy to be confused. Um, not surprisingly, Jess wipes the floor with Anthony. It's a lot of questions basically just about Chris, but the video was straight. I, I, I messaged you this, Brendan. Uh, we were kind of talking about all the content, and I go, just a side note, Chris Bryant, as the host of the show, was absolutely adorable. He was great. And if it's if it's possible to love a baseball player, he's so pure, Brendan. He is just the the most pure, like wholesome <laughs> baseball player I've ever seen. Um, and not a bad host, I got to say. He was uh, charismatic, uh, had a good rapport with his guests. Uh, obviously, one of them is his wife. <laughs> but that was a lot of fun, a, a funny little video. Um, and then the reason I kind of got off on this tangent was they 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 have two episodes of what they're calling mic'd up. You've, you've certainly seen this stuff. Uh, I think the NFL Network does maybe the best job with this where they, they mic up some of those guys. But we have one with Joe Madden that's kind of funny. And then we have one with Kyle Hendricks that is so on point for exactly what you think that would be. Kyle Hendricks mic'd up going through workouts and, and a day at spring training. And it it's really entertaining because it's basically just nothing happens. It's just, it's so Kyle Hendricks. It's so on the nose. He's just a, you know, nice guy. Like, hey, you know, <laughs> sunny day out here. Oh, it's cold, huh? You know, like stuff like that. But it was just like so on brand. I loved it. He downloaded Fortnite, did not like it. You saw that <laughs> yeah, part, right? right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was great. Man, like the, the Cubs productions, like they're, they're going off. The quality of these videos is yeah. insane. For well, yeah, I mean, they 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 the Cubs Productions team. If you uh, kind of you know look up who they are and where they came from, they were at the Cubs social media night last season that that I was able to attend, and you know they're like professional I mean, videographer film people. Impressed. So yeah, they they are not messing around with those guys. And you know we've obviously seen that the Cubs social team. Uh, has a lot of good ideas. So I think you put those two things together, you're going to get a really good product. Uh, Another really great thing that I look forward to a lot, I really like this idea. I'm very glad that they're doing something like this is, uh, I don't know if I should call these shows or videos, whatever you want to call them. Clips. Um, Yeah, the, the breakdown is this one. And the first episode that we saw of this was of the David Bodie Grand Slam. But basically the concept behind this uh, show is they take a play and they break it down with the people involved. So with the Bodie Grand Slam, obviously they talk to David Bodie a lot, but even before that, they talk to Jason Hayward, who you know is the first to get on, 
in that inning. It, that was kind of funny, you know. I not was to, about like, to say that. <laughs> yeah, not to poke fun at, at I Jason was Hayward. Seriously, about to say that. But it is funny that he says, you know, you go up there with the mindset, you just got to do anything to get on base. You know, we're down by uh, three, so you know, we just need to get something started. And it's like, Jason, you reached on an error, man. Like, no, you like, know what I mean? Like, all right. What's funny about that too is like, I'm in. I forgot what happened uh, in his at bat, but like they build it up as if he's about to hit like a double in the gap. Yeah. <laughs> and then it goes like a slow motion chopper to second base. That's like the most perfect right. Jason Hayward uh, moment possible. But Not hey, the bag at Jason Hayward, but yeah, it was right. fun. It's just, yeah, it's just fun. Yeah. Um, he got on, he made it happen, you know, no doubt. And he also gets credit on this new YouTube channel. He's featured in a top 10 countdown, yeah. best comebacks of the Joe Madden era. His uh, walk-off slam against the Phillies starts off that countdown in yeah. the other 10. Uh, another fantastic video, but but on this Bodie thing, they they talked to Hayward about his at bat, you know what he's looking for, trying to start the inning. They talked to Albert Almora and Wilson Contreras, who both get hit, and they talk about you know again what they're looking for, what they're they're feeling as they're up there. They also have some really good insight, and Joe is careful not to completely tip his hand, but they do talk to Joe about you know what he was looking for in Ryan Madsen, who's the pitcher in this instance, what he was thinking about, you know, Ian Happ is a pinch runner in this inning. You know, David Bodie is ultimately the one that's called on to get the pinch hit at bat. Joe says he likes that righty-on-righty matchup with Madsen, talks about what they were looking for. But the real cool part of this and, and why I'm I'm excited for this concept, because they're breaking this down in such detail, we get... Uh, a note from Madden and Wilson Contreras. If you recall in that inning, Wilson steps out, I think it's like three times while Madsen's trying to pitch. And Madden talks about the fact that they knew from other people that had played with Madsen before that he was liable to get worked up by that type of behavior. And so when you're watching the game, you're seeing Wilson doing this, going like, what is this guy doing? Like, get in the box, take the swing. And, you know, you watch this video, you come to find that this was a very deliberate strategy that Wilson and Joe had imp- had deployed here to get in the head of Ryan Madsen. And it works. He hits him in the shoulder. So, that I thought was just really fascinating. A ton of good content. I don't know exactly the schedule of of when they're going to be releasing these because we, like I said, we had, they had teased some of those other off season videos. We only got to see the strope one. So in the in the teaser, we also saw Chris Bryant and John Lester. I think that was it, unless I'm missing one. But either way, there's still more to come. I don't know when they're going to release it, but. That was a a fun Monday, Brendan. That was like a really easy way to kill a you know like a couple of at least an hour watching yeah. all of this content. Yeah, no, that was good. I think the the David Bodie one was probably the most insightful. Um, yeah, I, I like how they balance like the fun videos with like the really like in depth breakdown ones. Yeah, but I liked I liked the uh, like the Joe Madden tidbit that you were mentioning, like the the information they have. The you know he mentioned the the reverse splits like why he didn't go with Hap and why he went with Bodie blah 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 like those those are extremely insightful and in what I think kind of like what caught my eye in that breakdown video was like the Cubs productions actually showed some B footage of their custom apps like their custom like databases that they have so if you go back and look at that video you can like find all their different search parameters. And you can pick anything, or they designed this app or whatever <clears throat> to pick anything they 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 want to see. So I thought that was kind of cool. Like you know, like the, one of the coolest things about the Cubs front office is their director of research and development has a PhD in neuroscience from Harvard. I think from Harvard or one of the top schools. They have this entire staff of incredible like data scientists. So you know, you and I can come on this podcast mouth off some few interesting stats these guys are making like you know predictive machine learning-esque algorithms yeah in beautiful presentation application format they're on a whole new level than us and so um, i was just it's a very humbling experience and or uh, whatever watching stuff and realizing the degree to which the Epstein and his front office went to to create this infrastructure. So I'm just reminded like, hey, when I think I know something or if, I, if I'm confident about an opinion, these guys have in- 
insane access to these really unique data. And they, they, they truly do know more than us. So we're fans looking in. But I thought that was cool. So go back and watch that Bodhi video. You can kind of see their, their interface that they've made to, to really pull any type of video or footage they want. For sure. And yeah, no doubt. I mean, some of these guys in these front offices could They're probably insane. be... Yeah, could probably be building rocket ships uh, if they wanted to, but basically you know baseball. they go for baseball. I've I've always said that, and he's still there. There's a gentleman that works for the New York Yankees uh, in their front office that I had the the opportunity to work with when I was an intern there, who I swear is the smartest human being I've ever come across, and he just likes baseball, so that's yeah. why he does this. So uh, yeah, there is uh, a lot of. A lot of mental energy being being devoted to baseball, and yes, you are definitely right, Brendan. Certainly by people that are uh, smarter than, especially me, uh, but also you as well. Oh, thank um, you. Even though, yeah, I, th- that was actually meant to be a compliment. As I was saying it, of I was like, "This is meant to be a compliment." I mean, I hope it's coming out that way. Um, but yeah, so I think that's all we have. Um, it's been an interesting few days. Um, you know, I think in insofar as spring training can really get at you, um, you know, these these were an interesting few days. But, you know, I, I think that hopefully this strobe thing is as minor as they're saying, and he's, uh, you know, able to continue throwing, just not off of a mound. And, you know, this is something that we look back as a non-issue once the season starts and everything gets going. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, not uh, not the 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 brightest couple of days since we last spoke. So hopefully, no. when we we speak again on the episode that Brendan and I record on Sunday, a little more uh, of a positive outlook on things. But again, I think you know that bullpen is going to continue to be one of the things to watch here in the early going of the season. And of course, as we continue through spring training here, um, you know, because there's a lot to shake out, guys are going to have to seize an opportunity. It's at this point, it's it's hard to even predict what that opening day roster is going to look like uh, from the bullpen perspective. So these next two weeks, again, as you guys are listening to this, we're exactly two weeks from the season opening. Lot to figure out. Uh, if you are the aforementioned very smart Cubs front office, so I think uh, other than that, um, if you have not, you know, done the binge watching of the Cubs new YouTube channel, I would suggest doing it. It'll definitely put you in a good mood. Um, that top ten comebacks video, if that doesn't get you hyped up for the season, um, I won't spoil, you know, what, what the, the top few are, but like I said, it starts with Jason Hayward's Grand Slam against the Phillies from last year. That ought to get you fire up, because, uh, you know, it's just comebacks from the Joe Madden era, so it's obviously predominantly guys that are, you know, still on this team and still a part of this group. So that should get you uh, nice and fired up as, as we head, uh, you know, on a collision course to opening day with the Texas Rangers here. And obviously some of the the funny stuff. If the Bay versus Bryant thing doesn't make you smile, I don't know. You might not be human, but yeah, that that that's up to you. But I, I was definitely having some good laughs watching that. But other than that, uh, we will come to you, of course, again on Monday morning. We'll record on Sunday afternoon or evening, hopefully when the, the game is over on Sunday, because again, we were watching that going, of course, I said that Dylan Maples hadn't walked anybody. He Your comes fault. in, he walked people. We had talked about Nico Horner reaching base eight straight times. That streak ended in that same game, like literally like 45 minutes after I upload the audio uh, to Brendan. And we're just like, man, <laughs> that is that is so typical and so annoying. But that's uh, that's the hazards of uh, podcasts, folks. Is this is uh, pre-recorded, not live, so we can't uh, really go back and fix that. The only time we fix things is when I I swear, and Brendan has to edit it out. But uh, <laughs> other than that, we let it ride. So. Um, Again, yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon. Uh, we thank you guys, as always, for listening. We're, we're two weeks away, folks, from real baseball, looking into stat lines that actually matter, walk totals that actually matter, you know, not just in, in Cactus League games. So we're almost there. Stick with us a little bit longer, and there will be uh, real baseball to discuss and hopefully good baseball to discuss from the Chicago Cubs team. So as always, we thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you soon. And whether we are obsessing over a bullpen 
bullpen in the middle of Cactus League play or the Cubs are playing real regular season games. Go Cubs! This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare contracts, and in the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sound crazy? The crazy thing is, this never ends. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. Were you lied to when buying a timeshare and want out? Get the facts about timeshare cancellation. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. I've been riding a motorcycle for 52 years. I started having back pain that turned into a knee pain. I couldn't even sit on a motorcycle. I was like, oh man, am I going to have to give up riding bikes? Kaiser Permanente, they decided I needed a hip replacement. So I was going to do it through... Outpatient surgery. <laughs> Panned out great. Recovered overnight. Was home by 11 o'clock the next morning. I'm glad I made the choice for Kaiser Permanente. I'm enjoying life. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan in the Mid-Atlantic States. 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland. 20852. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.